0: We start our journey into the New Testament, where we are finally free of all those Old Testament genealogies. Wait a minute. Welcome to Daily Gospel, equipping you to know God through His Word and His Son, Jesus Christ. My name is Keith, and this is Brandon, and we are pastors here in Santa Cruz, California at Gospel Community Church. Welcome. Remind you guys to like, subscribe, and comment as we are starting a new year here. Let's get the Gospel out and the truth of God's Word out into the world. It's going to be an awesome thing, and today we start the New Testament. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to dive in. It's going to be great. Um, if you uh, haven't yet, go back and listen to our um, our uh, intertestamental period. I think it's going to catch you up from the Old Testament to the New Testament. We did that one earlier, so uh, let's. And I'm
1: sure a lot of people are going to be watching kind of both simultaneously. Yeah, so that's true. You know, we're doing this to. Our, the idea behind this is that this is sort of a little bit above, you know, intro level, uh, reading through the scripture. Mm-hmm. So, but if but if you are new to the Bible, and if you want to get serious and read, then this is something that you can use alongside of that reading. So the reading plan that we use is on this video. It's on, I think, every video that we do uh, in this series. So so check that out, and it'll allow you to read through the Old Testament and the New Testament at the same time. So it just goes straight through. Right. And then we save the the Psalms for the weekends. So it's five days a week. Save the Psalms for the weekends. Yep. So it allows you to... Uh, Yeah, I think to kind of go through it, you know, at a good pace, but not killing yourself. Like, if you get one day behind, you're totally out to lunch.
0: Right. Yep. Yeah. No, totally. Like, the whole point of this is they. This is an aid for you to obviously learn the truth about Scripture and to answer some general questions you have. But for you, as you read the Bible in a year, to understand the flow of the the big picture of God's story. So we want you to be encouraged by that and to not get too lost in the harder parts of reading, because let's be honest, there are harder parts of Scripture to read. It's all good. It's all profitable. It's all God's Word. But we need help sometimes, and that's why we have brothers and sisters, and we hope this is an A to you when you're doing your yearly reading. So last year yep. we did the Old Testament, this year we're doing the New Testament, and it's going to be awesome. And we're in our uh, brand new studio here. We are in a brand new studio. Um, yeah, our church moved location, so we're in a new studio now, and uh, yep. it's going to be awesome. It's not as fancy as our the last one. It's not as fancy, but um, the content is going to be just as fancy, if oh. not more. Oh, I see. I <laughs> yes. see. Yes. 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 I like
1: yes. that. Well, that's, we got a lot to get into, so we should probably so just much. jump in. So much to the New Testament. So we're gonna we're starting in book book of Matthew, obviously a very mm-hmm. good place to start. Yep. Um, and the four Gospels. It's important to understand what the four Gospels are, how they kind of work together. Mm-hmm. So just kind of brief intro <coughs> in, in, intro to the four Gospels. So of course the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are four men who either were disciples of Jesus or who knew or were close to disciples of Jesus. Right. Who put together their own accounts. Of the life of Jesus, so they're all written, you know. Shockingly enough, by the person who's who they're named after. Right. So Matthew's written by wow, Matthew, and crazy. so on. Yeah, it's kind of obvious. But which one was written first? Uh, we don't know for sure. I think the the majority of people would say Mark. You know, some, a lot of people would say Matthew. Mm. Uh, no one says John. Pretty much, no one says John. Yeah. But uh, so anyway, so the first three—Matthew, Mark, and Luke—are called the Synoptic Gospels, mm-hmm. and they sort of have a similar viewpoint, I guess you could say. They what,
0: kind of... Do, with, wh- why synoptic? Why is that word used?
1: Yeah, synoptic means like something being seen together. So they have kind of a similar viewpoint is okay. the idea. And John is sort of an outsider. So John focuses on different aspects of Christ's ministry, different events, right. and it has kind of a different feel to it. It's pretty obvious when you get into it. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke have a lot of overlap. There's a lot of shared content. Exactly, huh? Um, and they all have stuff in common, but those two, three have a lot in common. And so there's a focus on the parables and on the healings in the synoptics that's very prominent and um, like like we said mark is probably written first because matthew takes some of that content and then sort of expounds on it so yeah. you're going to when you read matthew and mark back to back you're going to say I, I just i just heard this but it's good there's a different focus sort of um, different viewpoint a different angle on christ's life so and we've seen this in the scripture before the bible repeating itself in different ways yeah Things being repeated, this is because this is the most important event of the Bible is the coming of Jesus, right. his ministry, his his death and resurrection. This is what it's all about. Yeah, so,
0: like we talked about last week, though, this is the fullness of time. This is God's, you know, plan from the very beginning to bring a blessing to the world, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And it's
1: funny. Some people will say they look at Matthew and Mark and they'll say these gospels are too similar. Mm. So there must have been. You know, they must have been in cahoots and there must be things that are faked here. So they use the similarity of the Gospels to disprove the Gospels. And then people will take the Gospel of John and say the Gospel of John is too different than the other three. <laughs> and because they're so different, they can't, both, they can't all be true. And I, I think actually when you look at just how humans relate different accounts, you'll see that this is what we'd expect. There's a lot of similarities and a lot of differences because yeah. they're emphasizing different things. Like if you and I... Went on a conference and we came back and told our wives what happened at the conference in ten minutes. Right, what we would say would be radically different. Yeah. Right, um, I might focus on, you know, the content of the teaching on day whatever, and you might focus on the person we met, you know, at this event or at the airport. You're saying whatever. I don't care about teaching? Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no. no, you're totally right. Like right? yeah, everyone right? So, will
0: come to a, a car accident, a historical event in history, who was a part of it. A normal event like a conference and we'll have different perspectives on the same truth yeah the thing actually happened everything is true that's in it but as people we have different perspectives on it and that's cool about the gospels because we get different windows into the life of christ and that's an awesome yeah. thing because it's a narrative it's a story about who jesus is and what he's done
1: yeah and so this rings true to how someone would account a story especially if you're intentionally telling a story that's already been told right you're going to give some of your angle on the story and bring out different things yeah
0: these guys have been teaching about jesus for years at this point before writing the gospels right yeah so
1: yeah exactly so so each gospel gives us a different angle on jesus and these synoptics they all have similar elements that you'll see so um dr michael kruger is where i heard this from but it's been said by a lot of people but each synoptic gospel has an intro to jesus who he is maybe a birth account and then there'll be the public ministry of jesus And in that time, the conflict and the tension is building up. And then the confession of Peter sort of serves as a hinge Hmm. for the synoptic gospels. So when he confesses, right, you are the Christ, that's a hinge where Hmm. things kind of turn toward the passion, which is the last part, the passion of Jesus, his death and his resurrection. So that's sort of a general structure of the synoptics.
0: Awesome. Very cool. Um, Well, let's get into some of the introductory materials. So, who wrote it? Why they write it? Things like that. So, we're just going to tackle one at a time. And since we're starting in Matthew, so what is who who wrote the book of Matthew? Matthew. Wow. Next question. Insightful. Sweet. There is
1: some debate, but I mean, not in the early church. They're unanimous on this.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with Matthew. Yeah, I'll go with Matthew. Yeah. Okay. So, who was Matthew then? So
1: Matthew was one of Christ's disciples. He's you might not see him in certain gospels because he's called by a different name, which is Mm -hmm. Levi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Matthew is in the book of Matthew is, is referred to as Matthew, and we see him in Matthew chapter ten. Mm-hmm. He appears in Matthew chapter ten, and he appears as a tax collector. Mm-hmm. So he he is a tax collector. Bummer. And this tax collector
0: is good or bad? Very bad. Yeah, very bad. Very
1: bad, bad. Right? They're considered traitors to their own people. They would extort people. I mean, this is. Like a mob boss or something. I don't know what you'd compare it to, but <laughs> right, uh, the Godfather. But in Matthew chapter 10, verse 3, we see him introduced and he's sort of a picture of the sinner in his own gospel, which mm-hmm. is really cool. Yeah. He puts himself in there and then we see Jesus after that eating with these sinners mm-hmm. at, you know, with Matthew at the kind of the center and giving grace to them. Mm-hmm. And he, he says, you know, the, the righteous don't have need of a, of a savior, right? right? Uh, the, the, the healthy don't have need of a doctor. And so, he, so Matthew is identifying himself with the mission of Jesus hmm. because he's that bad of a person. Crazy. It's really cool.
0: That is awesome. So that's who Matthew is. Why was it written? Why did well, he write it? Because he probably, like we said earlier, like they're gonna have a different specific take and mission in their, you know, communication.
1: Yeah. So Matthew was oh. uh, was obviously a Jew. Um, the name Levi. Some people think that indicates <laughs> that maybe he was part of the Levitical line that he was associated with the operation of the temple. Maybe a stretch, but clearly, I mean, he has a Jewish. He's Jewish. And he's um, engaged in a job that would require him to be bilingual. So he's probably bilingual. And so he writes this gospel, most people think, for the defense of the gospel message for the Jewish people. Mm. The Jews who are seeing this message come in and they don't know what to make of it. Does Jesus conflict with the Old Testament? Does he conflict with Judaism? And so Matthew has this focus on Jesus as the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Now, of course, the, the gospel is also written for everyone but that seems to be a primary goal right. of this of this gospel.
0: Mm, very good. Um, when was it written?
1: Probably is written early in the in terms of the scripture, so probably 60s yeah, AD, maybe 50s.
0: Probably the second might have been even the first gospel written. Yes, so. exactly.
1: So is I mean this is yeah. This is you know a decade or two, a couple decades after the death of Jesus and the right. resurrection of Jesus. I mean, this is very early, yeah. You know, to write an historical account thirty years after an event is actually you know that's very close to the time frame of the event. So right. we're getting eyewitness
0: accounts and we're getting you know very reliable accounts. Awesome, and what's important to us what we want to track as we go through each of the books of the Bible through daily gospel. What's the theme? What are the major themes we see in this book, in this gospel?
1: So fulfillment of the Old Testament is huge. Mm -hmm. You're gonna hear a lot of these formulas, right? Yeah. This was to fulfill what was written by the prophet, things like that. So he's very focused on the Old Testament. Tons, Mm -hmm. I think it's like 15 times that he uses that sort of formula. Mm -hmm. This was to fulfill. He directly connects to an Old Testament passage Mm -hmm. and of course a bunch more allusions. Um, the kingship of Christ is a huge focus. Yeah. Him being called the son of David, he's referred to as the son of David a lot, right. which ties him to the Davidic line. We'll see that in the genealogy. Um, Jesus as the new Israel mm-hmm. is a prominent theme that he is walking in the steps of Israel and fulfilling the the purpose of Israel and succeeding where they failed
0: isn't like I mean I know these are a little arbitrary but like the symbols between each gospel historically isn't, isn't Matthew like a human or something no I think human or an angel? Like Luke is the or Luke is an ox he's, he's the of uh, a lion I think he's the lion oh okay yeah
1: I'm pretty sure he's the lion um, but anyway, so so kingship, uh, new Israel, and also Jesus as the new Moses—that's mm-hmm. a prominent one. That's I think pr- pretty easy to see. It's right. not hard to see that one. So, and then there's a the theme of the kingdom of heaven. So that kind of related to the, the kingship of Christ, obviously. But you'll see that phrase very often in his parables. Mm-hmm. The kingdom of heaven is like
0: right. I love that, like especially because You see, like I mean, all the gospels, I guess, like the reality of who Jesus is. In a specific bent of the fulfillment of the Messiah. And it's really cool to see like each one's emphasis on the person of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Just absolutely it's just really awesome. I think that helps us as we go through the gospels and we talk about the slight differences and focus. I think it's gonna be helpful for you guys to understand like why I'm listening to the same story four times. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, exactly.
1: What can I draw out of this instead of just like okay, I've heard this before. I'm gonna skim over it. Right. No, uh, lean in, read it, think of it in terms of what the book is trying to accomplish.
0: Yeah, exactly. You should be like, we should be elated that there's, you know, more than one account. Yeah. You know that how awesome is that that we get four different perspectives on the life of, of Jesus, our Savior, the Messiah to come, the linchpin of history. Like that's awesome that we get four accounts of that. Yeah. So absolutely. Cool. So how's the, book, how's the book of Matthew framed and outlined, roughly? So
1: it's, it's sort of built around these discourses that yeah. happen throughout the book. Mariah's teaching. Um, and so obviously, you know, the Sermon so. on the Mount is the first one, but you'll see five different main discourses, and that sort of gives us our structure. Yeah. But I'll, I'll just lay it out for you briefly here. So there's an intro in chapters 1 through 3, mm-hmm. introing Jesus yeah, and connecting and him yeah. to the Old Testament. Yep. The message of the kingdom in chapters 4 through 7. Mm-hmm. So we see what is this kingdom all about, um, he sort of establishes the, the main message, the authority of the king, chapters mm-hmm. 8 through 10. Um, the And then we see opposition to the king, chapters 11 to 13. So this tension is building. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see the I- identity of the king in 14 to 20. So Jesus is, we're seeing him in sharper relief. He's asking the question, who do you say that I am to the mm-hmm. disciples? Yeah. And there's that, that pivotal moment, Peter, the transfiguration, yeah. things like that we see the kingdom of god versus the kingdom of man mm. chapters 21 to 25 and then finally the crowning of the king 26 to 28 right so um so yeah and then we see it kind of comes full circle uh, so we'll we'll get there when we when we get to the end of the book but let's jump in awesome chapter 1 gospel okay. of
0: matthew it's going to be sweet so where's my where's my bible Oh, you need your Bible I'm for this. I'm failing here. I'm failing.
1: So let's let's open to the Gospel of Matthew. So the, the book of Matthew, as you said in your intro, it starts with a genealogy, which we thought we were done with these. <laughs> what is going on? Why are we back to genealogies? And uh, we've talked about you know how when you communicate, you gotta have a great attention grabber at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Like uh, like Nahum, right? The Lord is an avenging, wrathful God. <laughs> so Matthew does one of the greatest attention grabbers here and gives us a list of names. So that we're all asleep by the time we get through it. But but man, if you have read through the old testament, maybe you did, you know, Old Testament last year or the whole Bible last year, but if you've really soaked this up and learned about the Old Testament, this is going to be very exciting for you.
0: Yeah, you should like actually, you know, if you're just starting, you know, the Bible in a year just skim over uh, the Book of Chronicles, First Second Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Like, give it gives you like, that'll give you a landscape for like how we enter into the story right here, and you might even see yeah. some of the names that are coming up. Absolutely. absolutely,
1: yeah, absolutely. So this brings us all the way back to the beginning, and it reminds us that the story of the Bible is a unified story. Right, right? we've been emphasizing yeah. that a lot. But um, Matthew is very concerned, as we said, about fulfilling of the Old Testament, mm-hmm. and so it starts with a genealogy because Jesus is fulfilling everything in this family story. Right. Everything. And and a few things we could say specifically is just what the the first verse starts. The first verse clues us in as to what this is all about. So verse one of Matthew one, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So hmm. there you go. Very straightforward, right? Yeah. Genealogy, that word, um it reminds us of the entire structure of the book of Genesis, right. if you remember that, right? Which was all about these these um these mm-hmm. genealogies, these right. records of the, the lineage of different people. So it's the same thing here. And Jesus is the son of David and the son of Abraham. So first, he's the son of Abraham. So this is a big theme from the Old Testament, that God is going to make a great nation out of Abraham. Right. And yeah. that he's going to bless the world through him. Mm-hmm. So Jesus as the son of Abraham means he's fulfilling that Abrahamic blessing. Yep. He's fulfilling that covenant. Yeah. Genesis 15, uh, that picture that we see, which we won't go over now, but Jesus is fulfilling that. He is the son of Abraham, and he also redefines what it means to be a child of Abraham. Right. Because that was a big tension in the Old Testament is, what does it even mean to be a true Jew, a true child of Abraham? Right. This man of faith? Well, he's going to show us that it's, it's him. He's the true child of Abraham, and he's going to allow us to be in that family by faith in his sacrifice. Right. That blessing will come to us as we trust in him, yeah. and we too will become sons of Abraham.
0: It's so interesting to think through like those blessings that... like, was obviously like Abraham had a promise to be a blessing, and in a lot of ways, his lineage was a blessing to the world, even though they sinned against God, but to see the ultimate fulfillment of that blessing to be fulfilled in Jesus, that's an awesome thing. Yeah. That far back to for Matthew to declare that about who Jesus is, that's a yeah. big thing. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I love it. So he's the son of Abraham. He's the son of David. The most repeated name in this genealogy is David. David is repeated. And uh, there are obviously many kings in this genealogy, Mm -hmm. in this lineage. And so there are so many stories here from the Old Testament. Jesus is the descendant of all of the kings, Mm -hmm. all of the the true kings of Judah. And in the last um, 400 years, as we discussed in our intertestamental period video, which, again, if you haven't seen it, Make sure you check it out. But that whole time period heightened that clear need mm. for a king as they're rebelling again and again. We didn't even mention Bar Kokhba Rebellion. But there's these rebellions where people seem to be the Messiah, the one who can deliver them, right. and then it doesn't come to fruition.
0: I heard a really cool, you know, we just got finished with the Christmas season. I heard a really cool um, idea from Sinclair Ferguson who looked at that intertestamental period as almost like an advent for the Christian coming up to Christmas. So that 400 years of anticipation was the Jewish people longing for that Messiah to come, to be present, to actually come to earth, Emmanuel. And that and the finally did come in the New Testament. But for Christmas, that should be the same thing for, for Christians, yeah. right? In, in yeah. the season of Advent, we are anticipating and longing in the same way that the Jewish people were longing for the Christ to come. We should be longing for, for Christmas Day. Yeah.
1: And <laughs> your mention of the 400 years reminds me, too, that there was a 400 year gap between the end of genesis yep. and the exodus story. Exactly. And so it kind of is the same thing, right? And you'll see mm. that Jesus is coming after this these four centuries of silence to do, to mm. fulfill the the whole picture of the exodus. Right. You know, like I said, he's the new Moses. So right. we we'll see that in the first few chapters, but
0: Wow, crazy. So
1: also, another thing I noticed in this that's always pointed out, so it's not just me, but <laughs> is the women in the genealogy Oh, yeah. Which is, I mean, very unique. Yeah, it is, in, for sure. In the Old Testament uh, time, or in that time, I should say. And they're all complicated stories. They're all stories that we know if we've read through the Old Testament. Like Tamar at the end of Genesis, mm-hmm. um, who was incestuous, right, who pretends to be a prostitute to seduce her father-in-law to have a child. Right. Jesus comes from that line. Or Rahab, the pagan prostitute. Mm-hmm. He comes from that line, or Ruth, right? A pagan from a cursed people. Right. Or Bathsheba, who's not even named. It's it, verse six, right? <laughs> David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. I mean, it just really like pours salt in the wound. Right. That this was adultery. Right. And yet all of them are included in this amazing mm-hmm. tapestry that points to who Jesus will be. That they all all these failures, all these sins in the in these stories, and Jesus is coming to overcome those no. to forgive those to redeem this story right and all the longings right I think about like the, the song A Little Town of Bethlehem right the hopes and fears of all the years are met in the tonight. night that all those things that we're longing for mm. are going to be fulfilled in Jesus so um, and then we see you know this repeated of so and so was the father of so and so and so and right. so was the father of so and so and then you get to verse 16 and it says and Jacob the father of Joseph the husband of Mary mm-hmm from, or sorry, yeah, of, of whom yeah. Jesus was born, who's called Christ. So he intentionally breaks that pattern. You're right. And is to say, because you could have said Joseph is the father of Jesus because he's adopted father. Right. But he wants to make sure you know this is not his biological right. father. Exactly. Just an adopted father. So verse 17, all generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14. So it is 14, 14, 14 repeated in this verse. So I think the idea here is that Jesus is the great fulfiller mm-hmm. of all these things, like I've already said. So he fulfills yeah. all, all of that. Um, and then we see at the end of this chapter the virgin birth. Mm-hmm. So Jesus comes, he's born of a virgin, born by the Holy Spirit to mm. fulfill all this. And yeah,
0: I call his name Emmanuel. Yeah,
1: yeah. and that um, you know, brings us to kind of the idea we've seen in the Old Testament of all these miraculous births. This is the greatest one, though, right? Like right. Sarah, who was barren and really old, that's a huge miracle, or, right. or Hannah, or any of these stories, but this is this is a, a bigger deal. Right. It shows us this guy is very important.
0: Yeah, it's the ultimate prophecy fulfilled, right? Yeah. So.
1: so he is, you know, verse 23, Emmanuel, God with us. Verse 21, he's Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So it's setting up who Jesus is going to be. He's yeah. a Savior. He's a Redeemer. He is God in the flesh.
0: He is, like, Matthew is super, super clear to his Jewish audience that this is the fulfillment of everything in the past, the Messiah. That, yeah. You know, that I'm sure a lot of people are doubting or questioning who this Jesus was, right? Was he actually the Messiah? Yeah. He's making it really clear. If you don't walk away in chapter 1 understanding the greatness of who Jesus is. Yeah, <laughs> like, you've,
1: just, yeah you've missed something yeah. huge. So... Um, <laughs> We don't have a ton of time, so let's get into chapter 2 a little bit. And this is so important for building some of these themes. So we've already seen Jesus is the fulfillment. We're seeing that Jesus is the fulfillment of the of the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. He's the true Israel. That We see that because he's coming from this line. He's going to fix everything in that line. He's the son of David, all those things. But in chapter 2, we start to see a little bit more that he is the new Moses. Mm-hmm. That's yep. a little clearer. So... Chapter 2 starts off with the famous Christmas story of the the Magi mm-hmm. seeking the star. And, of course, this this star is a reference, it kind of harks back to Numbers 24 mm-hmm. and the prophecy of Balaam, where right? mm-hmm. he sees a star. And so this is believed to be that they somehow had access to that story, yeah. maybe through Daniel's presence in the East. That's mm-hmm. what some people think. Um, but they... Had this prophecy, and so they saw the star, and they came to seek him. So you have the Gentiles coming to seek blessing mm. from the Messianic King at the very beginning. Pretty awesome. It's a big. That's a big deal in terms yeah. of the story of Scripture, yep. right? Um, then, and we're told, you know, of this fulfillment of the Bethlehem prophecy mm-hmm. in verse six. So they, the, the leaders, actually reference this themselves that this is where the Christ is to be born, mm. and so this is. The kind of the first reference well second I, we had isaiah in uh in chapter seven in verse one or sorry in chapter one yeah but we have another reference to a scripture being fulfilled here and then uh in verse 15 we see another reference to fill the scripture so what happens of course is jesus is in danger from the mad king herod mm-hmm. herod the great who we discussed briefly in that intertestamental period video and he wants to wipe out he does wipe out the children in in this town in order to kill Jesus as well and so they flee to Egypt right and that's to fulfill according to chapter 2 verse 15 this was to fulfill what the lord had spoken by the prophet out of egypt i called my son so jesus escapes from this genocide and we saw previously how this relates to the same story as moses right mm-hmm. moses was in egypt there was the same genocide of the children mm-hmm. and he escaped by a basket. Right. And so there's the same kind of deliverance happening. There's a parallelism. So we see Jesus as the new Moses. We also see him in the same verse as the new Israel, because in Hosea 11 1, where this verse is taken from, this is a reference to the nation of Israel. Right. So there's sort of both happening simultaneously. Um, so, I mean, there's so many layers to this. We see another fulfillment in verse 17, mm-hmm. right, where he wipes out the children. And this was to fulfill. The word of the prophet Jeremiah, we yeah. see um, in verses 19 and 20, where the, the angel appears to, to Joseph and he says, those who sought the child's life are dead, so you can return home. This is a very close echo to Exodus 4.19, mm. where Moses is told that those who sought his life are dead, and so he can go back to, to Egypt. Mm. So there, again, there's these parallels happening. And we'll see even more obviously when he goes into the wilderness he's there for 40 days right that is a parallel to yeah, the 40 the years yep. 40 years of Moses first and then the 40 years of Israel right in the wilderness so there's a clear connection here
0: isn't that crazy just like the first couple chapters you see Jesus being the the better Isaac David Israel yeah Moses yeah, it's pretty cool.
1: There's a, I mean, there's a ton of stuff here. It's loaded. And then one, one quick thing that I wanted just before we, we wrap this up, but in verse 23, this is kind of one of the most strange references in mm-hmm. this chapter. And he says, this is what it says. So he went to live in the, in a city called Nazareth. That's up in the north of Israel. So that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Mm-hmm. So many people have pointed out that there's no prophecy of Jesus being a Nazarene in the Old Testament. Hmm. That doesn't happen and what does what does happen though is there's a lot of prophecies of the branch this mm. this messianic term the branch and so that word actually in hebrew has the same consonants as nazareth true. so it's the same same sound mm. same kind of root word idea and so it may refer that's kind of the, i think the best guess we have is they may refer to these prophecies of the branch that comes from david's line like yeah. in isaiah 11:1
0: that would make sense thematically yeah, yeah.
1: So that's kind of an overview. Um,
0: awesome. Yeah, yeah. What are, what are we going to take away from this?
1: I, I think the biggest thing to take away is we come into the New Testament is the uh, supremacy of Jesus Christ, mm. the the majesty that we have to live our lives for Him. Right. Everything is about Jesus. Right. He's the fulfillment of all of it. Even yep. in the first the, the first chapter of this book that everything comes down to him, that he is the high point of all of history. Yeah, And so we have to live our lives for him. We have to worship him with all that we have. So I would just hope everyone comes away with just a bigger view of who Jesus is and how
0: worthy he is of our worship. Yeah, amen, that's a good word. Awesome, well that's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us for Daily Gospel and we'll see you next week.